0: This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Download their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, today at netsuite.com. fool Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, August 30th, and we are checking in on the smart speaker and wearables markets. I'm your host, Don Lewis, and I've got Fool.coms, Evan New with me on Skype. Evan, how you doing, man?
1: Pretty good. Fun fact, I uh, Warren Buffett and I have the same birthday, so yeah. that's today.
0: Yeah, what a what a wonderful thing. We're pre-recording today's show. It's Thursday. We're trying to get ahead of the, the holiday weekend, get a little early start. So I'm gonna give you an early rather than a belated birthday greeting, and you know when this goes live, listeners, you know if you feel like giving Evan a shout on Twitter. Feel free to, you know, uh, you're you're my favorite person of the people of the famous people that have birthdays today, Evan.
1: Oh, more than uh, more than Buffett. <laughs> I don't. He tends a- <laughs> to overshadow mine a little bit because you know he is quite a bit more famous than I am.
0: Yeah, but I don't have a personal relationship with him, and I have a personal <laughs> relationship with you, you and don't? I value that. <laughs> um, all right, today we are talking about some updated data on two relatively new tech markets, uh, specifically consumer tech markets, and that's the smart speaker and wearables markets, and this is primarily going to be based on research from a firm, Canalys. They are one of the leading researchers. Really have a finger on the pulse for what's going on. Why don't we start out talking about smart speakers? They dropped their unit sales numbers, uh, Canalys did, and there's really no surprise. I mean, The top of the list is Amazon, and this is a category, Evan, that they have absolutely dominated over the last couple of years.
1: Right. I mean, I would even go as far as to say they created the category. I mean, when they came out with their Echo, um, you know, way back when, I mean, that was such a revolutionary device. It just created this entire new category of smart speakers that people like to use with their voices and, you know, tap into Alexa to control their you know, smart home devices, you know, listen to music streaming. All sorts of stuff. So they have been able to really maintain their lead. I think only a couple of times have they blipped into like a number two spot, but for the most part, they're they're always by, you know uh, number one by a healthy margin.
0: Yeah. So for for them, business as usual. Uh, I think they sold about 6.6 million shipments during Q2, good for about 25% of the market. Even with more people coming into the space, they maintain their market share, which is pretty impressive. Um, we've talked about it quite a bit on the show before, but it's worth mentioning. You know, the the smart speaker strategy for them, it's not a consumer hardware play. I mean, sure, like they love selling these things. They probably sell them at or near cost. You know, maybe a small margin there. But the reality is that this is plugging into a much larger ecosystem play for Amazon. It's not so much about the devices.
1: Right. I mean, they want, they want you to you know buy things with their voice for, for Prime members. They want you to ideally they want you to use Amazon Music streaming, but in reality, probably not very many people do. Uh, But they do definitely have a a pretty good smart home ecosystem as well, which I think really just kind of entrenches people and gets them kind of behaviorally used to using Alexa.
0: There was a a bit of a surprise looking at the number 2 player in the space by shipments. Uh, At 4.5 million shipments, Baidu took silver. And I, I think it's worth emphasizing how far out of left field Baidu came this quarter um, they grew shipments 3700 percent year- over year, which basically means that they had like a hundred thousand shipments in Q2 of 2018. That's pretty incredible.
1: Right, so it is coming off a very small base because they were barely in the market a year ago, but they've been over the past year, you know, to eighteen months, they've been really putting out a bunch of these different types of devices to, you know, a lot of different form factors. So, you know, they're doing some of these smart displays, also some of these kind of smaller portable speakers. So, kind of like you know, like what Amazon is doing with releasing a bunch of different things at different price points, different form factors to really uh, offer something for everyone.
0: And looking at China, kind of broadly, you know, some of the other big players, the names that people know, Alibaba. And Xiaomi, both of them also on the list uh, for major manufacturers. They're in fourth and fifth by units, respectively. Um, China's seeing a pretty crazy growth story with smart speakers. You know, you go back to late 2017 and the market was like kind of just getting started. I think, according to numbers from Canalys, they're about 50% of global shipments right now.
1: I think they're a little bit more than that. So, so China overtook the U.S. earlier this year as the largest smart speaker market in the world by unit volumes. So, I think that is still true today, because uh, the U.S. market is kind of maturing. So, it's kind of you know showing a little bit of weakness. And I think their numbers show that the U.S. market you know dipped like two percent or something. And not not nothing too scary, but you know not growing as quickly as like some places like China where you know, adoption is really soaring and, and you know, it's a much larger. Uh, market by population, and they're just now starting to get on this trend.
0: And I think even for Amazon and Google, uh, who was formerly the number 2 bestseller by units, um, most of their, if not, uh, I think about half, 50%, of their unit sales are international sales. So, when we see the U.S. market start to mature a little bit, you mentioned that small dip that we saw year over year, they are going elsewhere to find growth. Uh, Amazon was able to do that, Looking at the data, looks like Google's actually one of the only major suppliers that experienced a year-over-year drop.
1: Right, they're, they're definitely looking outside the U.S. now uh, to really, you know, look for growth elsewhere. Although, you know, both Amazon and Google don't really have good inroads into China, which you know is tough for them because it is such a big market. And which is why we see you know, these Chinese companies, like you mentioned earlier, really you know, climbing these charts because you know they're able to capitalize on all, on all that demand in China.
0: Baidu definitely stole the show, at least from my perspective. Looking at all this data, and you look at the strategy, it's very similar to Amazon. You know, smart speakers are not the core thesis for Baidu. Um, and if you're looking at the revenue contribution here, uh, they lump all this into other revenues, as a lot of other major tech firms do, which is just like the most frustrating thing in the world if you're trying to pinpoint what's going on with the financials. The other stuff that's in there, are cloud services, and then they have the revenue from their streaming property, iQe. So all told, that other revenue segment is about a quarter of revenue, um, but it grew 44% year-over-year in the most recent quarter. The core business, um, some of their online marketing, actually dipped. So This is giving them um, some growth when they're otherwise struggling, but the reality is, like Amazon, um, the devices help them get more embedded with consumers. It's not so much that uh, they are the end-all be-all for this business
1: right exactly and it is frustrating in terms of investor transparency but that's why we have to rely on these third party research estimates from you know companies like Analyst that you know give us as investors some some data to actually go through to really understand how this market is developing it's really growing a lot i mean total unit volumes were like up like 55% to like 26 million so overall i mean we're still seeing a lot of really good growth numbers on a global basis.
0: You know, there's one company that I think we would typically expect to have mentioned in a discussion about consumer technology, noticeably absent from this discussion so far, uh, and that's Apple. And it's kind of wild to think, you know, we're talking about all the big tech names, talking about a lot of companies that traditionally are strong in hardware. Um, Apple's not mentioned, Samsung's not mentioned either.
1: Apple has really dropped the ball on the smart speaker stuff, in my opinion, and Badly, I mean, their their whole thing has always been, you know, we don't we don't want to be first, but we just want to be best, and they don't really care if they're a little bit late to a market. But in this case, I think that the other players in that time frame, where Apple just was, you know, taking so long to come out with HomePod, these other companies were able to really get in there and entrench themselves into people's homes because the whole idea of these smart speakers—you have them like one in every room, or you have multiple units all over the house. So over time, people have been buying more Alexas, more Google Homes, and just. The, the Chinese brands too and just putting them all over the house and it's like once you have all these you're not going to go out and buy Five or ten more home pods, which by themselves are also extremely expensive And at the same time Siri is not as capable as Alexa in terms of some of these capabilities So I, I really think they've kind of dropped the ball pretty badly uh, and I don't really see them coming back really Frankly, in a meaningful way.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's really hard if you're a consumer to look out at something that you're not 100% sold on the use case for. In the you know in the case of a smart speaker, and maybe something that you kind of want to test first and say, yeah, I'm going to go out there and buy a $300 product. You know, I think most people are willing to make that leap with something that costs 50, 75 dollars. But to drop 300 bucks when Siri has not necessarily been the greatest uh, smart assistant out there um, is a bit of a stretch, and that bears it out, really, in, in the unit shipments that we see. The, the one counter-argument I'll mention is that, you know, Apple does have the ability to have a, uh, you know, uh, a device in most people's pockets, particularly in the United States. You know They have such great penetration in the U.S. smartphone market that if they are able to make Siri better, um, there may be some voice assistant play that they may be able to do there rather than have to have something installed in every single room in a house.
1: Right, and they're there are reportedly working on a, a smaller, more affordable version of the HomePod that might be coming out within the next year or two, and I think that that's going to be a, a pretty key point for them, uh, you know, to try to really get in there with affordable devices because they 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 really went high with this HomePod at three fifty, you know, I mean it's come down in price since then, but you know, basically they're betting on really high fidelity, audiophile quality sound which average consumers don't care about, and, and to your point, like people when the, this stuff all came out, like. Weren't sure, so to test it out for a hundred bucks, like the Echoes, was you know much more approachable than you know trying to drop three hundred fifty dollars on a, on a HomePod. But we'll see if this mini does any better. We'll see how it's priced. We'll see if they kind of pull back away from the high fidelity approach to it. But that's going to be their only chance.
0: Yeah, I think that this difference really speaks to the different business strategies for the likes of Apple, who is a primarily consumer hardware oriented company. And you know Amazon or Google, where Amazon, Google can very comfortably know that they are you know going to be the platform business. You know they have the e-commerce, they have the media, they have they have all these different things that they can then throw right on top of an installed base. Um, Apple has that to some extent, but it's a much smaller portion of the pie. And most of their money is coming from devices. If they're going to sell devices, and they're generally a premium product business, they need to have that across their entire portfolio.
1: Right, and I think more broadly, it's it's also kind of an open question of, you know, how are these third party developers going to be able to monetize their services on these platforms? Because that's also still a pretty nascent aspect of this this broader trend too. Because you know, most of the stuff that people do on these devices, you're not paying for subscriptions for an Alexa skill, or most people are. You know, they they do have some out there, but the vast majority of people are doing it for kind of the built in stuff. So you know, as that monetization stuff develops. Um, That I think, you know, maybe that'll present Apple with an opportunity because they are typically pretty good with uh, helping their developers monetize services and subscriptions on their digital platforms.
0: All right, we are going to talk wearables on the back half of the show. But before we do, quick word from our sponsor, NetSuite. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is the hodgepodge of business systems. They have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's just a big, inefficient mess, taking up too much time and too many resources. And that hurts the bottom line. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders, and HR instantly Right from your desktop or phone, that's why Netsuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, they're offering you valuable insights with a free guide: seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com/fool. That's netsuite.com/fool to download your free guide: seven key strategies to grow your profits. Okay, so Evan, smart speakers aren't the only devices we're going to be talking about today. We've also got an update on wearables, also from Catalyst. We're very grateful for all the work they do in market research. Uh, Why don't you kick us off there?
1: Yeah, so the, they put out some numbers earlier this month on the North American wearables market. It has now hit $2 billion in revenue and total value. Uh, unit volumes are up about 38% to 7.7 million. So again, seeing some pretty strong growth numbers here in terms of units. Uh, the North American market is the most valuable in the world by revenue, although China is is growing a lot too, and they're actually the biggest in unit volumes. But the big difference is that a lot of the units in China are kind of these basic wearable tracker bands, whereas North is most is become Dominated by smartwatches, which you know cost a lot more money, so that's you know kind of how you can make sense of that discrepancy. There, Apple is naturally in first place because of the Apple Watch, is you know, really the most popular smartwatch in the world. Fitbit comes in number two, they've kind of maintained that position for quite a while, and Samsung uh, was number three with uh, some of their new products like the Galaxy Watch Active.
0: I think for a long time, this market has kind of been in price discovery mode a little bit. You know, we've known that there's interest on the low end, especially with with those bands that Xiaomi puts out that I think are like $10 or $20. And we know that there's some interest with the base-level Fitbit devices. Those were extremely popular. Kind of a category creator, really. But for a while, I think these companies have kind of struggled with understanding where they price those mid- and high-tier smartwatches.
1: Right. There's been a lot going on. I mean, the whole market has been really evolving, a lot of moving parts here, because as you mentioned, it really started off with these kind of basic trackers that were really low cost, really cheap. And then now it's kind of transitioning towards this more full function, multi-feature Know, smartwatches that cost more but can do a whole lot more, and at the same time, there's pricing all across both, you know, fitness trackers and smartwatches, and and yeah, so I, the market is getting closer to finding those you know, those really right price points to tap into mainstream demand. And Fitbit is kind of still on the cheaper end. So, for example, they're in the this hundred to two hundred dollar range with their Versa. Samsung's in the two hundred to three hundred dollar range with their their products, and Apple's at the high end with their Apple Watch Series Four, which starts at four hundred and goes all the way up to fifteen hundred dollars, which is more than a MacBook Pro, which is kind of wild. Um, you know, they, they also have the previous generation Series 3, which is available for less than 300 But I think what we're seeing is right now the, the vast majority of units, so like 60% of the market is, is in this two to $400 price band.
0: When we talk consumer devices, we're always kind of mindful of what upgrade cycles look like. And I think one of the reasons why the smart speaker market stalled a little bit most recently uh, is because the people that tended to buy early generation devices are still using those early generation devices. Maybe they're adding other ones to them to build out uh, how many they have in their home, but by and large, they haven't hit that refresh point yet. I was kind of wondering where that was going to happen with wearables as well. It seems like these companies are adding functionality, and that's what's driving a lot of the growth, because a lot of these devices still work.
1: Right, exactly. And that's a good point with the smart speakers, because smart speakers' technology hasn't really changed as quickly over the past couple of years compared to something like wearables where uh, a big driver right now is cellular connectivity and uh, you know, having a lot of health information on the smartwatch. Uh, I was actually kind of skeptical back when Apple first put cellular into the Apple Watch because I didn't think it was kind of that necessary. And, you know, the smartwatch doesn't use that much data, but it still costs, you know, an extra 5 or $10 on your monthly bill. But it turns out that that has really been a, a big demand driver and people really do like that, that connectivity because Apple has marketed the LTE connection very, well, they you know, pretty, basically pitch it as a way to free the Apple Watch from the iPhone, use it as an independent device that can stream music, make calls, uh, you can text. You, you can actually it has GPS built into it, so you can you, know, you can like leave your phone at home if you want to go out on a run. Uh, so they, they really took the lead in terms of the cellular connectivity, and that is you know, paying off pretty well for them.
0: Let's uh, let's talk Fitbit a little bit here because this seems like the company that is best positioned to capitalize on growth in an industry. You know, they they created the category um, and they have some of the more accessible, lower priced options that still have decent functionality. And yet, it seems like this business just can't quite figure it out.
1: Yeah, they, they can't really quite get their footing, even though they're they're such a prominent player. And <clears throat> I mean, they they do play both sides of it. They do the basic fitness trackers as well as the smartwatches. Uh, Apple only does the smartwatches, and they've been kind of transitioning to, to you know really get onto the smartwatch bandwagon. But at the same time, they don't want to abandon their their fitness tracker business because there are many parts of the world like China and other emerging markets where you know basic trackers are still really popular, particularly in like the Middle East, for example, too. So th- they have to kind of do both while navigating this transition and then competing with Apple on smartwatches. And you know they had a pretty high-profile flop recently with the Versa Lite, which uh, they recently actually had to cut their full-year forecast on revenue because this device is not selling well. And they attributed it to a different pricing strategy that didn't really work out because it was priced lower, but it turns out that people actually prefer to just hunt for discounts on the standard version that has more features. And a lot of the time those promotions will bring it down to the same price anyways. So I think that they miss they misread the market a little bit and now they're starting to realize that uh, and and kind of you know, adjust their strategy.
0: Uh, it seems like the the market has been kind of looking at this company and saying, like, Oh, they, they might be figuring it out. Nope, nope. We're seeing numbers that don't quite back it up yet. And we've gotten this, you know, all right, we're, we're trying new things, you know, and, and it bears it out in the way the, the stock is traded and the valuation that the company has earned uh, up until recently. And, and we're seeing it now at levels that it hasn't been seen uh, in quite some time. I think current market cap for the business is under $800 million. Um, are you excited when you see some of the things that management's doing now or does it stay kind of in the same place for you where they're in figuring it out mode and they haven't proven that they've been able to do it in the past?
1: I'm still all wait and see. I mean, they're at like all-time lows. It's like stock is at like 3 bucks a share. I mean, they just announced a new version of the Versa, which has been their most popular smartwatch to date with, you know, a bunch of, you know, minor improvements like better battery life, Alexa um, support, um OLED display, that kind of stuff. But I think the, the bigger picture is that the consumer electronics is a tough market since preferences are fickle and always changing. And, and you, if you look at Fitbit, to, to kind of uh, you know something you mentioned before of like if you look at their track record, right? The first thing they came out with was Ionic. It flopped. The Versa was next. It was a hit. The Versa Lite was next. It's a flop. <laughs> and now it's the Versa Two. So it's like it's it's just back and forth, back and forth. You you don't know what's gonna you know really resonate and what's not, and they haven't figured it out yet, either. So, I think that presents a lot of uncertainty to investors, because they haven't shown this consistent ability to come out with products that really you know, sell well.
0: And the thing that would convince people, at least convince me more than anything else, is, we have a hardware business and on top of that, we're putting a very successful platform business. It seems like there's always the possibility for that. I haven't seen the execution there. I mean, you think about the amount of money that goes into um, fitness regimens and workout plans and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Peloton, a company that will be going public soon, has tapped into that in a way where they sell the device, but they're really making a lot of their money on membership. It's always seemed like Fitbit has been able to do that, but hasn't quite gotten the execution right. I think until they're able to, I'm always going to be kind of waiting.
1: I, I agree completely. I mean, they've been trying for years to to really get into the services stuff, and even before they went public, they had bought Fitstar, which they had all these big plans about turning into a subscription business and all this stuff. And even to this day, a consumer services like subscription services for consumers is still less than one percent of total revenue. So they they haven't made any progress over the years and they just announced Fitbit Premium this week which is $10 a month and offers personalized health and fitness type stuff um but again i I don't have a whole lot of confidence that they'll be able to pull it off in execution because they've been doing this for so long that being said they do have another health solutions segment which is more kind of targeting enterprises corporate wellness programs things like that and that is starting to show some signs of growth because they're they're forecasting that to reach 100 million in revenue this year which would be about seven percent of the total business so i mean there's some progress on the services in terms of enterprise but still nothing on the consumer side and you know we just got to wait and see if they can finally pull it off.
0: Yeah, the the reason we want to see that's kind of twofold, right? You know, there's the financial impact of having generally higher margin and more predictable platform revenue coming in, but also, you know, if you go from a point where you're only selling devices and that's where all your money's coming from to a point where people are paying to access apps or, you know, wellness programs or what have you on your platform, well their next fitness device is probably also going to be a Fitbit. You know, this is what has made Apple so successful with the iPhone. Um, And it makes it a lot easier for them to predict success with their device sales. They feed each other really well. Until they're able to do that, I think they're going to continue to run into these series where they have a great release and then a ho-hum release that follows.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think they're trying to really diversify away from relying so much on hardware, which they've always have done in the past. And, you know, they've said that they're kind of... Going to accelerate their development cycles to get onto this kind of annual cadence of refreshing on an annual basis, which of course is not unlike what Apple does, but gives them more a little bit more visibility, kind of uh, helps them smooth out the seasonality or at least plan better for the seasonality of it, uh, because the consumer electronics market is so reliant on upgrades and what's the newest thing. Consumers just want the newest, shiniest thing. So, you know, being able to really come out with you know that in a regular cadence is what they need to do. But at the same time, because they don't know, they haven't proven uh, an ability to consistently do that. That's why they're trying to turn to the services stuff to kind of smooth it out on the, other, on the other side of the business.
0: I think every time we've checked in on this company, we've been kind of doubtfully watching from the sidelines. It sounds like that story continues, Evan.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I've never really had an interest in touching this stock. I think it's very interesting, like, because the, the market itself of wearables is interesting. But I'm still I'm still not interested.
0: Yeah, I am right there with you. Um, thank you for pre-taping today, and I hope you have a really nice birthday on Friday. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I hope you have a good Labor Day weekend, as does our producer Austin Morgan and all of our listeners. Maybe you're listening to this episode while you're on a Labor Day weekend road trip. hope you have a good time. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email over at industryfocus at fool.com, or you can tweet us at MFIndustryFocus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes, or you can catch some videos from the podcast and some additional content over on YouTube. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass today. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on!